Hello, and welcome to the Curious One podcast. My name is Emma Krebs. I created this podcast to be able to have conversations that were lacking through my daily interactions as I always felt the longing to dive deeper. This space is for meaningful conversations that I hope help to broaden my perspectives and maybe even yours as well. In this episode, I sat down with my new friend, Kaylee Reed. Kaylee is an influencer marketing strategist, entrepreneur, podcaster, content creator, and mental health advocate. I hope you enjoy this episode. May you be inspired, may you be curious, and may you learn more about yourself as we learn about others. Okay, so, um, honestly, just a disclaimer, you and I have never met. We've never met until yeah. this moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, a little background is I had been listening to your podcast. I want to say I started listening to it, it must have been this time last year. I want to okay. say That's I was a long time. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know how I would have come across it, but it, I'm guessing it was something along the lines of self care. And then once I realized you were Canadian, then I was more intrigued. Um, and so anyways, as I started this podcast, I thought I'd reach out to you. Um, there's certain things you talk about in your, in your podcast that I really align with and I'm interested in. So I thought as we start out, do you want to give a little background on who you are? Yeah. yeah. So I'm with Kaylee Reed for the record, <laughs> <laughs> but that's also going to be in the intro. So, <laughs> um, okay. So I guess the shortened version of me and my life until now, I grew up in a super small town called Olds, Alberta, which is like an hour North of Calgary. Um, and then when I graduated from high school, uh, 18, I flew across the country and I went to university in New Brunswick, uh, in Fredericton. So a very small city, um, and I did a degree in leadership studies, which I honestly don't really use now, but I think it was pretty foundational in terms of like the networking and the experiences I had that kind of led me to my entrepreneurial journey, which led me to here. So I don't regret going, of course. Um, It's something that I really enjoyed doing. And then after I graduated from university, I started my first company, which was a clothing line, um, an e-commerce based clothing line. So we were a startup to raise awareness for mental health issues through fashion. And I did that for three years full time, grew a team to six people showed at New York Fashion Week, partnered with a bunch of like really big nonprofit organizations. Joe Fresh was one of our like big retail partners. And then I hit extreme burnout <laughs> and basically was emotionally and financially exhausted from being in the startup world for three years. And I think there's still a lot of pieces from that journey that I haven't like fully put together yet because it was something that was so like mentally draining which was kind of ironic because the whole point of the company was to raise awareness for mental health and then by the end of it I was like I like business is hard building a startup is hard being so open as an advocate for mental health is incredibly challenging because you have people coming to you all the time on the internet in person wanting to talk about their deepest darkest secrets and traumas and I'm not a professional therapist. Really? So, like that was that was a thing? Oh, that yeah. That was part of it? Yeah. Well, so a big part of my role um, at the company, I was basically leading marketing, but mm-hmm. with that, I became a public speaker. Okay. Which is like a whole other part of my journey. Um, but I was traveling to college campuses across Canada and the U.S. speaking about my mental health journey oh, and wow. my startup journey. And those two things kind of intertwined and how I got to where I am 
now recovered from an eating disorder, but also as an entrepreneur. So that was a big part of my journey in that. And that's, I think, another big reason why I was so like emotionally exhausted after three years of just like going nonstop and really like that startup hustle of working 12, 14 hour days, the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. So I left the company and I didn't really know what I was going to do next, but I think it was like two or three months after I left the company, I started my podcast, Self Care Sunday, because mental health had been such a big part of my life and my journey. And I still wanted to talk about it, but in a way that was really authentic to me and um, interviewing other women that I really admired, kind of similar to you, like just having conversations that I thought were really authentic. So I started my podcast as kind of a passion project, and that's still not something that I've turned into a business per se, because having gone through the startup side of things, I really learned that I want to like keep some of my passions separate from Mm -hmm. ROI and like attaching financial value to things, because I think that for me is self-care is like having things as hobbies. Yeah, I couldn't Um, imagine because a lot of the like, as we'll get into a lot of the things you do, I'm sure like you're really passionate about and you have a lot of joy in doing it. So it's like, where do you draw the line? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got into the content digital space was starting that podcast after my experience with burnout. And then um, I've always been interested in fashion, obviously having been a part of a fashion startup for a few years. um, I learned so much about social media, Instagram specifically, influencer marketing through my experience running that startup. And so when I left, the really natural like career move for me was to freelance. And I had a bunch of like smaller businesses and brands in the fashion and beauty world that I kind of knew the owners or somehow they were connected to me through Instagram or whatever. And they started hiring me um, as basically an influencer marketing manager to create campaigns for them that would essentially drive sales to their online stores. So that became my freelance thing. And then on the side of that, I was also creating content as a quote unquote influencer myself. So with the podcast, but also starting to do more fashion content on Instagram. And after two years of freelancing in that space, I decided to open my own influencer agency because I had felt so many pain points from both the brand and the influencer side of feeling like really misunderstood in both sides of the industry um, and both sides of the industry, like not really fully understanding the other side. So I started my influencer agency uh, in October, I want to say, of 2019. It is now February of 2020, so it's been a few months. And that's my full-time thing. Um, Right now, I probably spend about 50% of my time managing influencers and managing influencer campaigns for brands that hire me. And then the other 50% of my time is spent creating content. So Instagram photo shoots, TikTok videos, doing the (laughs) podcast. Um, That's my life right now. So, okay, I'll be honest. The whole social media thing, I'm so removed from. I'm not that involved in the community. So what is an influencer agent? If I wanted to come to you and work with you, who would I be and what would I want from you? Right. So basically my clients are brands that want their products to be promoted on Instagram or Mm -hmm. TikTok. Mm -hmm. And so the way that they want to promote their products is by partnering with influencers that have like a big following. Mm -hmm. They will pay the influencer to wear their product in a post 
and I'm basically the middleman. So, oh, so you're connecting the brand with the influencer. Yes, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a bit slow at yeah, this. No, 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 no. It's okay. okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So I manage exclusively a handful of influencers that have like over 50,000 followers. And then I also have a network of around 550 micro influencers. So okay. anywhere from like 1,000 followers to let's say 50,000 followers. And um, that's basically where I source all of the influencers from for the brands that I work with. So Mm -hmm. let's say you're a fashion brand that comes to me and you're like, hey, we really want to reach an audience of 100,000 people within the ages of 18 and 25. We're looking for female female influencers (laughs) who um, really care about sustainability. Like, who do you have on your roster? And then I'm like, okay, so I know this person, this person, here's their rates. This is what happens yeah so yeah this is what I do yeah but like (laughs) oh my gosh this is insane okay yeah so a lot of times like brands will go directly to an influencer um but the I guess the positive of working with an agency like mine is I already have the connections with so many influencers influencers trust me because they've worked with me before um and then from the influencer side they also, or sorry, from the brand side, they also trust me because they know that I've done good work before. So mm-hmm. instead of hiring somebody to manage this in-house or have like one person on their team do it, they'll hire me and then I work as like a contractor. Okay. Yeah. And so something that you talked about in regards to your agency, it kind of ties in with something I, I hope we can touch on at some point, but yeah. the whole idea of like feminism and I don't know if this connection (laughs) is going to be made, but you said that part of why you made the agency, I don't want to put words in your mouth, is because you want women to get equal pay for the work that they're putting in. Is that correct? Or do you want to speak to that? Oh my God, I love that you just know (laughs) things that I've said. (laughs) No, um, no, that's really true. So I guess one of the other things that triggered me starting the agency was just like seeing pay discrepancy amongst different influencers. So because the industry is so new still, Mm -hmm. there's not really a standard of what people are getting paid or what brands are paying people. And what we see a lot of the time is brands gifting influencers product in exchange for posts, which is fine a lot of the times. Like Mm -hmm. Dior is going to gift you. Yeah, Dior is going to gift you like five makeup pieces and you're going to post an Instagram post about it like that's pretty cool like yours a good brand whatever the problem is when a lot of big brands start asking uh, legit content creators to do a ton of stuff for free and then it just drives down like the overall value of the industry so when there's so many people that are willing to do things for free it gets hard to be like a full-time content creator that's getting paid fairly and when you think about it from the influencer perspective, a brand is hiring you to be the creative director of your own photo shoot, the photographer, the editor, the copywriter of your captions, the video editor, in some cases you're doing video, like the advertiser, the person that's like strategizing, like as an influencer slash content creator, you are doing between like five and 10 roles, oftentimes for Mm -hmm. one piece of content or one campaign. And brands are really devaluing that right now just because it's so accessible and like everybody with an iPhone can be an influencer basically. But there is a lot of value in that content still and value in the audiences and the reach and the trust that an influencer has built with their audience. So I became really passionate about basically helping women get paid what they're worth for a brand campaign. Um, Coming from a startup world where 
it was very highly male dominated. The fashion and like influencer industry is very female dominated, but a lot of female content creators are still undercharging and being underpaid compared to their male counterparts. And I think a lot of it is just because a lot of women don't know that they can ask for more. They don't fully understand how to negotiate. They don't fully understand the contracts that they're being given. And if you don't go to business school or you don't have like experience doing Mm -hmm. this, Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of these influencers are like 16, 18, 20, super young. They might not know, especially if you're not with an agency, it's really hard to know everything of what's right and wrong in this sort of situation. So yeah, that was basically another reason why I wanted to start it, to basically help connect those gaps and, and help influencers understand their value and how they can be charging and what's okay and what isn't basically mm-hmm. i think yeah. that's i think that's so cool yeah thank you so can we get into more about your podcast yeah of yeah course. so within your podcast you do some solo and you only interview women is that correct yes, yes. yeah i've only interviewed women to this day yeah. and are you going to keep it that way so that was something i was really adamant when i started and you kind of touched on this before i think the whole feminist issue um, but when I did start the podcast, <laughs> when I, I did start it, yeah. the podcast, I was like in the depths of a very, I would say intense, like radical feminist phase in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me at the time, it was super important to one, be female produced, female hosted, only female guests and consider like my primarily female audience because at the time I was looking at all these podcasts and this was like what two years ago so podcasts have definitely boomed a lot since then um but at that time frame I was looking around at like my favorite podcasts and a couple of them were hosted by women but then I would be like scrolling through the what's new podcast section and it was male 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 like so many men were hosting podcasts so much media was being created by podcasts and I was just like in such a feminist state (laughs) it's like I need to only interview women on this podcast because I feel like women have such an important perspective um, compared to men on a lot of these issues and I really wanted the podcast to be about my experience as a young woman in the digital age who is you know an entrepreneur and what it's like to go through everything that it is to be a woman in this age all that said I have really seriously considered bringing on male guests in the future because as this journey has evolved I have really noticed how a lot of relationships with my male friends um have started to touch more on mental health and how mental health affects men and how it affects men very differently than it affects women and while I started my podcast from a place of women deserve you know this media that is curated specifically for them what I've realized over this journey is women are very openly having this conversation across so many mediums now mental health self-care There's so many companies and movements and ad campaigns and podcasts about self-care and being a woman and being a feminist. But the same is not really true for men in this space right now. And I think men have a much harder time having these conversations because it's just like not something that's openly talked about still. So it's something that I've dabbled with and something I've considered. I also just question like, am I the right person to have that conversation? 
or should a man be leading that? I don't know. But maybe but, you need a woman to open up the yeah, doors. Yeah, I don't know. I think you should do it. <laughs> Honestly. I've thought about it a lot, yeah. What have been some of the biggest resources that you had in regards to feminism? The internet. The internet? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I would say my, like, feminist awakening, if you want to call it yeah, that. Yeah, that's was, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was before – okay, wait. So before the last presidential election, U.S. election, um, when Hillary was running against Trump and – Basically, like, the months leading up to that race uh, was when I had really started immersing myself in a lot more, like, feminist literature, books, podcasts, YouTube, documentaries, like, the whole shebang. Like, I was a little bit obsessed at one point. I would probably spend, like, three to four hours a day reading stuff. (laughs) And I was living with my boyfriend at the time who, bless his soul, was, like, very supportive because he would come home from work and I'd be like, did you? Like, the same, like, rage, (laughs) like, just so angry at the world. And it didn't help that Trump was, like, picking up speed during that time and it just felt like the whole world was so, like, loud. Yes, loud, yeah. yeah. And everything was very, very relevant. And I thought at the time, like, how is this, what year was it, like, 2015, 2016? And we are still dealing with these these issues. Like, how can that be? So that was kind of, like, my awakening. I remember, like, seeing Trump be elected and crying in bed, basically, at whatever time it was, like, midnight. And really, like, emotionally struggling for a while I want to say I want to say like probably a few weeks um what once once he got elected yeah yeah and just like in general because everything had been leading up to that like Mm -hmm. I had been reading so many articles and was a part of like Facebook groups and so many different things that were making me feel so tense and like angry and upset at the world and then that happened and it was like like yeah how are we still living in this time um that said, since then, I feel like that was a very, like, radical feminist moment in my life. And what I have seen my perspectives or how I have seen my perspectives kind of grow and shift since then in the past couple of years um, is more, like, I guess, like, recognizing privilege here and moving back to Calgary where a lot of my family is like quite conservative a lot of my friends are conservative and also being an entrepreneur and understanding like the conservative financial side of things and really like spending time trying to have discussions with people on the other side of the aisle around issues that are super contentious and I feel like a lot of people when you're set in your ways feminist or far right you don't want to even have those conversations because you feel like the other person is just automatically wrong Mm -hmm. so I really started to try and like open up and have more of those conversations like I said living here because it is so much more conservative here than it was when I was living in Montreal or the east coast Um, and through that is also where this like further understanding for men's issues came in and men's mental health as you were saying because I just realized like okay there's a lot of feminist issues that still need to be worked on but there's also a lot of male issues and issues in general that I think I think the current liberal feminist movement is turning an eye to and not giving attention to and not talking about because it doesn't make 
your mainstream feminist woman angry and I think a lot of media and advertising right now in the feminist world is very anger driven and when you start to shift your head around and look at issues that conservatives and men and conservative men (laughs) are facing um, a lot of these issues are just as relevant as the issues that liberal women are facing but there's like no eye to eye on it because we're from two completely different camps so the past two years I've like really I don't want to say struggled I've just like challenged myself more to have these conversations with people like completely out of that feminist comfort zone and I think a lot of my opinions have shifted much more moderately and more understanding to the side of the right which people might come for me for saying that Um, but there is this huge issue of men's mental health right now Mm -hmm. that nobody is really taking seriously in the same way that feminists like talk about these issues in affecting women and I think it is just as serious as a lot of these issues so 100%. I've become much more empathetic to I think you're I a think, different side yeah I think your perspective is fascinating <laughs> and maybe you. it's just because it's more personal to me because I live I, I live here as well mm. I have a brother I have lots of males in my life and I I can see that I've had them speak to me about how they struggle with mm-hmm. mental health and they're very open people but yet they still don't feel as though it's acceptable for them to talk about it. Well, and I think, like, you kind of touched on this before, too. These issues are so interconnected with feminist issues, but those dots are not always connected, like, when we talk about them. So other issues, even, like, pornography, which is a really contentious feminist issue as well, the way it affects men is completely different than the way it affects women, but it's still the same issue we're talking about. It just seems that in the feminist space, like, it's focused on a completely different side when the underlying issue is, like, just as serious for men. Mm -hmm. When we talk about, like, internet addiction or, like, gaming addiction or pornography addiction and how it literally, like, affects people's brains, Mm -hmm. it's wild to me. So, uh, anyways, I find it very interesting Interesting. that you are, like, also interested in these conversations. Because I do find sometimes it's hard to talk about these things with people who are very like I said, set in their ways on either side because it's like a lot of black and white still, I think, which Mm -hmm. that's nothing will be solved that way. (laughs) But I admire that you do it. One of my friends would always say, um, I actually interviewed with her on my second podcast, and she's really a big advocate in the LGBTQ2S plus community. Mm -hmm. And she always says, you need to meet people where they're at. And I think that's just really admirable and just the obstacles that she's overcome she's still willing to sit down and sit across the table from these people who if I was her I'd be shitting my pants and I (laughs) I, at the same time I'd also be like I'm not talking to this person like I'd be angry but she's willing you have to yeah that's literally the only way it takes so much courage though and I mean it's easy to talk with people in your bubble who agree Mm -hmm. with you Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. if we're both feminists sitting here talking about feminist issues that's easy because we're both going to get upset about the same things but we're supporting each other Mm -hmm. it's when you talk about these things to someone who's on the other side Mm -hmm. and is going to question you and be critical and then sometimes I wonder like are people afraid of having their minds changed Mm. I think a lot of people are. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, going back to your podcast, what is your mission with your podcast? Hmm. 
Oh, wow. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. And if you don't have one, that's totally fine. I struggle I when people like, ask me. Yeah. No, it's a good question. Um, I think for me, it's been about creating conversations around self-care and mental health but also like how they intertwine with different aspects of our life so not just sitting there and talking about like here's my story with an eating disorder but talking about how that affected me building my business or Mm. how social media affects me as a creative or how you know like how these things intertwine because none of them are separate issues and I think they all kind of fit together into one really interesting conversation so I don't know if I don't know if that's a mission but for me it's been really yeah just like telling my story and exploring those concepts in a way that I hope is also helpful for other people but I've said this on my podcast before like it is kind of selfish for me because my podcast like truly is self-care for me Um, And I think it helps me like personally delve into and reflect on so many things in my life. And if that helps other people too, awesome. (laughs) That's great. Because then my next question was going to be since creating the podcast, whether it's through the conversations that you've had or maybe the reflections that you've had, what have been some of the things that you've learned? Hmm. The first thing that, I, that comes to my mind is uh, when I had Lauren Toyota on my podcast. So when I had her on my podcast last year, I was just sort of dipping my toes into the law of attraction and like manifestation and that sort of world. And it's something that I didn't know that much about before. Um, but when she was on my podcast, she was she is like a full manifestation advocate, queen. Like she credits manifestation to like so many things in her life and how she has manifested things in her life and I was just super interested in that when she was talking about it on my podcast and the law of attraction and so I think after that episode I really started looking into that further and listening to Abraham Hicks and just like that whole world Mm -hmm. which is like a big rabbit hole it's (laughs) literally a a rabbit rabbit hole hole. Yeah. yeah Yeah, so I kind of started falling down that after my episode with her. Um, And I do think that that is something really powerful that I definitely have not mastered yet. But is something that I wouldn't have really gone into unless I had her on my podcast and like had Mm -hmm. that conversation with her. And so things like that where, you know, just having a conversation with someone Mm -hmm. can introduce you to something completely new that can you know change habits in your life or Mm -hmm. change your mindset or perspective or anything like that even the direction at times yeah yeah 100 yeah interesting so then um have you watched the secret the documentary yeah yeah that one gets to it's the same message as the law of attraction yeah but i like i i feel as though i know they're they're quite similar but i feel like i i quote unquote align more with the law of attraction but yeah it's a whole rabbit hole yeah it that is that realm <laughs> but it's, I remember, it's a good like, one my mom read the secret uh like year like when i was in high school probably mm-hmm. and i remember her talking about it and i have always been a very like analytical science-based person like n- have never been religious really and she was talking about the secret and oh you just like believe and you get it and all these things and i was like mom stop <laughs> like you're crazy like I don't know what you're reading I'm like okay I'm glad you're happy but like that is not real life Mm -hmm. and now having like gone through and dived more in depth into things and like actually 
understanding more of the philosophy behind it I'm like okay mom you're not crazy I had to apologize to her (laughs) I was like okay like I get it now like I get and she's like I know it's so good I was like yeah you're right you're right so then is she the one that inspired the because you have you do tarot readings on your podcast no she did not at all so then that's (laughs) interesting that you say you're analytical and yet you do I know tarot readings even I know I will I find it so fun I think like so what, what, ins- <laughs> where, how, where did that come from? Um, where did it come from? Honestly, I don't fully remember. I just remember I was kind of like interested in the idea of it. Like I, I'm a very analytical person, but for example, Harry Potter was like my life growing up. So like, mm-hmm. I love the fantasy, that idea sort of thing. And so I was like, oh, I don't really like believe in this, but I'm just like kind of curious. Like I just want to, you know, so I watched like a few YouTube videos of like tarot readings and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm really into this. This <laughs> is so fun. And like, I'm definitely, I've, I think I've prefaced this like a few times on my podcast where I'm like, guys, this is, I'm not saying this is like life or death. I'm not saying this is what I it's believe interesting. 100%. Yeah. But where I find tarot readings to be super helpful is as a tool for reflection and conversation so I think it's really easy to like sit there and ask yourself to be mindful about something but harder to actually like dive into the depths of what it is you're trying to figure out and so where I started using tarot cards was to like really bring up themes and ask myself questions based on the things in the cards so I'm like okay I'm not saying this is necessarily my spirit guide coming down Mm -hmm. and like telling me that this is what I should do. It's more like, okay, these cards are a tool of prompting myself to be mindful about these things that I'm seeing because, I mean, as, you know, somebody more critical would say, like, everything is so general, like horoscopes, blah, 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 they're all so general. It's like, yes, they are, but that's why it's a great thing for you to use that as a tool to be reflective on how it applies to your life Mm -hmm. so that's why I love them because I think it like acts as a really great mindfulness tool to actually be more reflective of things Mm -hmm. without those tools I don't know maybe you can maybe you are a very mindful person and you can be you know honest super reflectful and yeah reflective and honest with yourself about things that you're dealing with but for a lot of people it's like not that clear and so even just having like three cards to help you clarify you know something and then you're thinking but you're like oh my gosh yes that's right like that relates to this which relates to this and that's why this is happening and you're you're doing all of the work in your head it's not mm-hmm. the cards doing the work I know. it's you but that's why I love it because yeah. it, it forces you to like think about these things even like um horoscopes and stuff mm-hmm. or like I'm a Libra or like your yeah. star sign it's people can be like oh that's a bunch of baloney blah 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 or they can agree with it or disagree with it but it'll make a statement and deciding if you agree with it or disagree with it you have to do some self-reflecting because you have to think okay so for example I'm a Libra and it's very much the scales so um going to extremes always trying to find balance at the same time being very indecisive and so those are some traits of a Libra I can reflect and be like are those actually traits that I feel align with me Emma yeah and so even just that is prompting you to dive deeper right exactly. whether you agree that with it or not yeah. you could be like no yeah I'm this quote-unquote Libra I'm born within that time frame but I don't feel that way 
you know what I mean? It's like, I'm a very balanced person. I don't know. You but could, you no, could take it exactly. any way. Yeah. yeah. It prompts yeah. you to be more self-aware. Mm-hmm. Right? That's it. Which That's I exactly think what I was like trying to say. Exactly yeah. why I love that stuff. Yeah. Not just like, do I think it's, you know, the Bible? Do I mm-hmm. think it's like, <laughs> do you decide what you're going to wear based, <laughs> yeah. based on your horoscope? No. no. Or what the cards say? Do no. Do I love it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have like one deck, like what deck of cards do you use? I just I'm just have curious. like a random like oh, okay. basic deck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know my sister, my sister's like really into tarot reading. Mm-hmm. She does like full spread. So she, I have one deck and it's like the animal card. And it's interesting. I usually sometimes if I'm feeling a bit lost or something, like I'll draw just one card and see what the animal, like what yeah. the totem is or whatever. Yeah. Um, but she does spreads for me like once a year usually. It's interesting. It is. It is interesting. It is, yeah. I, I usually it. wait till like the end of the year and then I go back because she does one for each month and then I go mm. back and think about my year and mm. see what those cards were. You know what I mean? Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, oh, it's like kind of fun. Idea. So if you want to do a tarot spread, yeah, I love that. <laughs> so then self-care is quite an underlying thing with the mm. podcast and everything. What are some of your self-care non-negotiables? Sleep. Sleep. I think that's <laughs> that so good. One. Have you yeah. read Why We Sleep by Matthew no. Walker? No. I haven't. Oh, should I read you it? should read that. It's okay. an amazing book. Okay. Um, okay, so sleep. Sleep. Yeah, sleep is really big for me. I I think that's probably one of the main reasons why I love working for myself is because mm-hmm. I never set an alarm clock. I always wake up with the sun or just like naturally like whenever I wake up if my cat wakes me up whatever. Um, but that is like, if you ask me what my perfect day is, the very first thing is like just waking up naturally with natural light. Like that's so big, big for me. Um, what else is a non-negotiable? I mean, pets. I think that pets can be a huge, huge, huge self-care, like emotional support. Um, I got my cat, what, two, three years ago now. Oh my gosh, she's my best friend. What's (laughs) her name? Rose. Rose. Yeah. I feel like anybody who has a pet, like their own pet, like knows, you know, pets are big. They can help you a lot. Um, What else? I try to listen to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts. That really, I find that's like almost a meditation for me. Like I'm not big on just sitting in the quiet darkness for, you know, however long, but Mm -hmm. I'll try and go for a walk every day, listen to an audiobook on my walk. Um, I walk everywhere. I don't drive. It's just like a personal thing. <laughs> I really like walking. Um, and that really kind of like sets my headspace. It kind of helps clear my head. So I'll just listen to like really anything. That's I'm going to look for an audiobook of that yeah. book you just like suggested. What, what, have been, what are some of your favorite podcasts and what have been some of your favorite books? Oh, That's look. my favorite question. <laughs> Now I'm like, let me go back that's to okay. the library that's okay. of things that I've read. Or like year. even just some books that have really impacted your life. I'm sure Law of Attraction maybe was one of them. Um, or no? Yeah, I'm trying to think of like recently what I've what I've read. Um, oh, Big Magic by Elizabeth oh, Gilbert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That for me was, and I just listened to the audiobook of that. I didn't actually read it. Um, but that for me, the themes in it were so hugely relevant from like a creative perspective, an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial perspective, and also like that self-awareness. Um, just I love the concept of like how ideas come to you and choosing to act on ideas or if you procrastinate with your creativity, like how that affects the universe basically Mm -hmm. I love 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 that and then she also has 
a podcast called Magic Lessons, mm-hmm. um, which is built off of the same concept, but she basically has interviews with different creatives and artists that are struggling for whatever reason. Maybe they're like working on a book, but they haven't been able to finish it or whatever their struggle or challenge is. And she basically like consults them and like mentors them on this podcast and like goes through a journey with them which just like as a creative person was super helpful and like really encouraging because I don't know it's hard to be a creative <laughs> but mm-hmm. the, I would say those two were like some of the biggest I mean it's the yeah. same thing the same concepts but yeah mm-hmm. podcast and book I know I th- um I read that book a while it was like probably a year and a half ago yeah the thing that I took away from it ideas are like wind and it's gonna blow through you and if you don't catch the idea while it's in you it's gonna blow and it's gonna go to someone else Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like you need to just grab it while it's there yes yeah yeah and which I thought was really interesting Mm -hmm. and it's also on one hand you could be like oh well I had this really cool idea and I didn't act on it and you could be really defeated but then you could think well there's going to be more coming my way. Like I know for next time to, yeah. to grab them. Interesting. And it's, it's something that I've like totally seen in my life too, because she talks about these like concrete examples where she's had an idea and then she sees it come to fruition through someone else. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that, right, that so book, many times. Didn't she have like, she, she started writing a story and then someone, yes. re- something along those lines yes, about like a forest or something. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. almost her exact idea for the yeah. novel that s- someone else ended up writing. Cause yeah. she like, spent five years and never finished it yeah and then someone else like basically wrote the exact same novel and she was like oh this is crazy like this was my idea but now it's your idea and I've seen that so many times like I think especially in the creative space where now I really think like it's so hard for anything to be completely original like Mm -hmm. everything has been done whether it's in fashion design or you know media photo shoots whatever like everything has in some way or another been done and to be completely 100% original is so 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 hard but that's not necessarily a bad thing I think there's like so much opportunity to recreate and be inspired and do things like fashion is very cyclical for example fashion from the 80s comes back fashion from the 90s comes back fashion from the 2000s so I've seen times as a creator where someone else will do something that I was thinking of doing and you get that like pit in your stomach for a moment where you're like oh my god like that could have been me like I had that idea I thought about doing that like oh my god like this person didn't even do it the way that I would have done it you know you like have these dumb thoughts and then after reading that I was like well so true like if if that could have been me why didn't I do it like Mm -hmm. you just gotta do it like stop talking about it stop dreaming about it stop thinking about it just do it oh my gosh Mm -hmm. it's the same with like going to an art gallery like a modern art gallery and seeing literally like a blank canvas canvas with a black dot and people walking by being like well I could do that it's like okay but did you Mm -hmm. have you are Mm -hmm. you going to like unless you did it unless you know you're actually going to act on it the talk doesn't matter yeah so yeah no I love I love everything about that concept so then in the entrepreneurial world and social media this message that keeps coming up is like um think less, do more. Mm, Is that something that you would agree with? Yeah. Because I know you did that TikTok challenge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I remember, like, I remember you're listening to an episode of yours, I think it was, and you you spoke about it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, I'm one of those people that is constantly in my head. Like, I constantly have that narrative of, okay, here's what I should do. Here's what I want to do. Should, should, should is, like, always a word that's being repeated in my head. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, like, 
aspects of anxiety and aspects of perfectionism that are tied to that and constantly like planning out these ideas in my head but when you're not acting on anything it's like what's the point like if Mm -hmm. you're just thinking about stuff if you're planning you can plan something to a t but if you never launch it yeah you know or you're trying so hard to make something perfect but unless you're actually doing it there's no way for it to be perfect because it doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Which is something that I struggled with before. So, like, for example, when I started my agency, I hired a branding designer. And I went through, like, a month-long process of branding what I wanted the agency to be like. And she sent me all the files. I had, like, basically everything ready to go to launch this agency. And I waited months after that really because in my head I was like oh like I really just want to do like a cool launch like maybe I should do this maybe I should launch it here maybe I should like get influencers to post about it when I launch and I had all these ideas but I just wasn't doing it and I think Mm -hmm. it was this fear that was holding me back of like what are people gonna think you know like the dumb like things in the back of your head so I sat on it for months and months and months and then finally I got interviewed um in the Huffington Post about influencer marketing And when that article went live, uh, I got a lot of traction and I was like, oh God, like I should launch my agency. Like this is, if I already had this up, like I would be getting so much business and things from it. So I launched it like immediately after that article went live basically. And I branded it as a way like that it was meant to happen (laughs) during that time frame. But I was kind of kicking myself before because I was like, why did I wait so long? Like it, it didn't really matter like I could have just launched it and then you perfect things as you go but Mm -hmm. whether it's a business or a project or a podcast or a piece of content or a series or whatever like people are always afraid of that first step I don't know why fear of failure fear of being judged fear of whatever fear of yourself fear of success but then once you do that first thing everything else comes so much easier and then as you're continuing on the journey you learn so much more about how to actually improve what you're doing. So like podcasts, for example, when I first launched, like I had no idea what I was doing, (laughs) you know, like you just don't. And the only way to get better at it, and we were talking about this earlier, like interviewing skills, the only way to get better is to do it, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. to interview one person, then five people, then 10 people, then a hundred people. And that's the only way you get better. So if you're constantly waiting until you're perfect before you launch something it's like you're never gonna launch because you can't be perfect at something unless you've done it Mm -hmm. a thousand times over I know right that was that was (laughs) honestly me with this podcast it was I knew I had to have three episodes before I quote unquote like for me launching it was just telling people about it because no one knew about it besides my family my immediate family two of my friends because I interviewed one of them like and their partners and then my boyfriend that was it right and so it was like this idea in my head for so long I wanted it to be quote-unquote perfect right Mm -hmm. and I was comparing what I was creating someone who's never created a podcast who is honestly technology challenged I'm shocked (laughs) to this day that I was able to even post one and is not in the content creation influencer world at all and I was trying to compare myself to like the minimalist podcast or like the right. Joe Rogan podcast yeah. and just these really Who've successful thousands yeah, of episodes and, and not years. only that just other things you know yeah. what I mean like and I was like well when it's not on their level like then I'll like when it's on that level then I'll post it yeah um okay one question I would love to ask you yeah 
is the connection between mental health and social media. Mm. <laughs> Be- as someone who is a mental health advocate yeah. and who is so involved in social media, do I need to ask <laughs> anything further? Like, um, have you, is it something that you've struggled with that you could speak to? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I feel like everybody has struggled with that connection at some point, mental mm-hmm. health and social media. And if you haven't, you're either lying or you are like the most balanced and secure, mindful person. Or you just don't have social media. Yeah. At yeah, all. yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah right? Like I think it affects everybody and differently and at different levels. Um, and I mean, the way that it affects me is more from a content creator perspective, which is I need to be on my phone because my phone is my work. I constantly need to be checking my emails, constantly need to be in my DMs, constantly need to be posting my life. I'm going to take a story when we're done this podcast and like promote. Yeah, but like constantly showing up and Mm -hmm. being present because that's how I grow my community. Growing my community means getting more brand deals, means getting paid more, essentially. Mm -hmm. So I think where I've struggled is that pressure to constantly be on and constantly be posting and constantly have like an interesting life or something interesting Mm -hmm. to say and like be happy to be relevant right and positive Um, do you feel that you need to be positive uh because i well i guess sometimes i think yes yeah uh i mean there's definitely days if i'm having like a really bad day i won't go i won't go on social media or Mm -hmm. like really post about it because and from the mental health community side i think there's value in talking about struggles but I don't think it's helpful when you are like in the midst of a low episode mm-hmm. to then be crying on your Instagram stories about why you feel so shitty. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's helpful. Yeah. I think it's helpful to From reflect in captions yeah. and to be really thoughtful in that sort of way. But the way that I like to talk about it is in a way that can be productive and helpful to other people. So if I'm just on there talking about how much I hate my life, that's not inspiring to anyone. That's not helpful for me. That's not helpful for anyone else. So I would just rather not go on. Um, where I can see mental health, like the whole mental health social media connection being more negative from like a consumer perspective, so not a creator perspective, but like everyday people. It's like you're seeing people show their highlight reels on Instagram, on social media, every day people constantly posting especially like where so many people are quote-unquote influencers now Mm -hmm. and everybody has like a curated feed and Mm -hmm. their life looks so cute and their boyfriend's amazing and like all this stuff (laughs) yes it's like you're (laughs) watching this and if you spend enough time scrolling your feed you're gonna start to feel inadequate even if you have a great life because you're gonna start like subconsciously comparing yourself to all these people that you're scrolling through and I think for me, one of the biggest things was curating my following list. So like being really mindful of who I follow. Um, I need to kind of go back and purge it again, but I don't really follow any like Instagram models, um, anybody who makes me feel ugly, (laughs) anybody who doesn't like inspire me in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if it's like, I don't know. I think there's just like, people so mindlessly follow and like and whatever Uh and that media is what you're consuming on a daily basis I mean people I think spend more time on their phones and on social media and Instagram than they do in person with their friends a lot of the time watching like an interesting documentary you know Mm -hmm. so when that's the media you're consuming you need need to be super mindful about which content providers 
quote unquote, you're subscribed to, mm-hmm. because that's going to inform like how you feel about yourself, what you're learning day to day. Do you feel inspired? Do you feel less than? Like, what? How do you feel when you log off of Instagram? Mm-hmm. You probably don't even log off. You just close the app. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that like feeling? You're consuming it, right? You know I mean? Yeah. It's like, what, and that could be, that could tie into like what food are you consuming? Are you a hundred percent? Oh yeah. yeah, exactly. It's yeah. the exact same concept. It's like, are you putting something good into your mind, or are you mm-hmm. putting something? That's like junk. Yeah. (laughs) Junk junk Right? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, curating my following list is big. And then as like a content creator, I really made it a priority to try and create more content than I was consuming. Um, And I think that's more from like a competitive, like when, if I'm scrolling my Instagram feed for, you know, more than 20 minutes... I'm going to see all of these girls posting all these cute photo shoots and cute outfits and all these things. And I'm like, why isn't like, why isn't it that me? Like I should have done that. I should have done that. And so I found that I'm much more creative when I separate myself from my social media for a little bit. Like obviously it's good to go on and get inspired and get ideas. But in terms of like actually creating, I'm much more productive if I just like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. log off for a bit and spend that time doing something creative and then that for me too is like my hobby Mm -hmm. right so I think being creative is like a really powerful positive human experience Um, it's like creating art like creating anything music podcast whatever and so I was really trying to prioritize that the past like year maybe two years um, and saw that really like shift my mindset more of how I approach social media because now it's less about like what am I consuming today? And it's more about what am I creating today? It just must be so interesting how you view social, like you logging onto Instagram, Mm -hmm. what you see, meaning you know what's behind those photos. Myself, (laughs) I believe everything's real on on the internet. I'm like a grandma. Every photo I think is just candid. Every, yeah, yeah, every product they just love. They, that's something they actually use. And Etc. Etc. Oh, so yeah. I would, I, it would be so interesting to be in your mind for a day and just to <laughs> see the things that you notice, right? Like that's your niche. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of behind the scenes. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> what has been one of the biggest lessons you've learned as an entrepreneur? Mm. I feel like I say this anytime I'm asked a similar question. Um, maybe cliche, but there's no such thing as an overnight success. So anybody, anybody that you see, successful business, you know grew their following super huge whatever they have an amazing marriage like whatever that success looks like it doesn't happen so quickly like people need to be more patient I think especially now where social media the internet makes everything feel like it's happening so quickly and you can scroll and see snippets of people's lives in you know a minute you've scrolled and you've seen 50 highlight reels and I think we need to kind of like take a step back and recognize that there's still a place for hard work and being patient and not expecting everything to happen so quickly and just like letting the process do its thing, letting your hard work speak for itself over time, whatever the thing is like people are very ready for things to always be happening immediately (laughs) And success, you can't like Amazon Prime success. It just doesn't work like that. <laughs> I love that. I like how you worded that. <laughs> okay, speaking of success. Mm. So I have a lightning round. Do you listen to the Minimalist podcast ever? 
No, but no. I've heard okay. like lightning That's rounds okay. before. Yeah. So okay. my questions is three questions and they're okay. the same every time. So essentially, okay. it's supposed to be summed up within a sentence. But you're more than welcome to unbox your answer if you feel the need to. Okay. Yeah. Does that I'll make sense? I'll try and keep it short. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So how do you define success? Being happy every single day. Sick. Um, if you were gifted $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? Oh, um, probably buy some properties and invest it. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. And what is one thing you're grateful for today? My cat. My cat. <laughs> Rose, yes? Yeah, yeah. Rose. <laughs> You're like the speediest. Those I have are the people... things that first came to mind. I don't uh, know. No, that's that. great. No, but I have people who like, we do another 30 minutes just on the lightning oh round. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because they really <laughs> unbox it. And I'm like, okay, bless you. I love it. I just, I find it interesting how people interpret it. I think, so now that I, if I like actually reflect on, okay, what did I just answer? Like that first answer of like being happy every day. See, if I would have listened to myself like two years ago, I'd be like, oh, that's so unrealistic, Haley. Like mental health doesn't work like that. But now I think like I've, I mean, I'm in a place that's quote unquote recovered. And I think happiness looks very different. You don't have to be like a 10 out of 10 every day, but like finding things to be grateful for or enjoying something in your day and like trying to just like constantly at least be content of, or fulfilled. So I think that's like what that that looks like to me but mm -hmm. yeah it's weird like if I think of oh how would I have viewed those answers before I don't know it would have been different <laughs> it would have been different totally. yeah. yeah okay so then if people want to get in contact you where can they find you uh everywhere on the internet um kaylee.com kaylee.e.r it's k-a-y-l-e-y um on tiktok it's actually kaylee uh, my podcast is Self Care Sunday. Basically, anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find it. And Instagram at Self Care Sunday. This episode, I wanted to share a poem from Chloe Waite's book, Heart Talk. I chose this poem as I thought it tied in perfectly with this week's topic of self care. The poem is titled, Only a Full Tank Can Go the Distance. We must learn to disrupt the flood of life's demands in order to replenish our energy so that we can fully show up for all of our passions and responsibilities. It does not benefit anyone when we live our lives running on fumes. Love is an action, a thing in motion. Therefore, it requires fuel. This project of the Curious One podcast has been so much fun for me to create. I cannot put into words how thankful I am to everyone that listens to it. If you would like to further this conversation and get in touch, visit my Instagram at the Curious One Podcast. For more information, resources, and show notes, please head to thecuriousonepodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be well.